Hello, guys. Welcome back to Founding Impact. Uh, in our previous conversation with Eva, uh, we covered the topic of uh, how to implement, where to start when you think about implementing a Tiller culture in your company. So we said that you have to think about transparency and openness in the organization, uh, that it's like an evolving process, that you have to think about how you can uh, resolve the conflicts and that you need to create a space um, for like um, mentioning tensions within the company. And that's like the things that you need to start early stage. And now we would like to focus more a little bit what comes after. So let's say you have a company that has quite a strong base of, of till of openness, of transparency and all of that. Then you grow into 20 people plus, uh, like Ragnarsson. We are such a company that we work in the system for a couple of years now. But there are, comes those moments that it needs to change. As we said, it's evolving process. So is there, for example, any way how I can watch out for signals that will tell me, okay, that's the moment where I really need to change something? Or does it not really work that way? Well, one thing is that when we grow, complexity grows as well. So as you might know, you don't know everybody by name. You don't work with people. You sometimes don't know what those people are doing, really. So you need to let go of the idea that you can actually have a look on everything. Because as a founder, you just feel like, oh, this is my baby. I want to, you know, just be clear and sure everything is doing fine. This is also many times natural, you know, like approach that we have. And we need to let go of the illusion of power that we can control things, that we can actually, you know, know what's happening and what's going on and be fine and safe with the idea that things are happening even if we are not watching. You know, when I'm on vacation, things are still happening. <laughs> and sometimes when organization grows, even though it was fine when we were 10, when we were 50 already, this kicks in. So. A lot is about working on ourselves as founders. A lot is about processing what triggers us. And then only we can expect that others will also follow the path. You know, like I heard this saying, like, life, my life is my marketing from one of the coaches. And I really enjoy that because it's like, be an example, you know, like show that you are changing. People will follow you because they will believe you. And for this reason, I think what is super important and that you can see that maybe something needs to change is because, for example, uh, tensions are not brought to the table openly, offici officially. You know, like you hear people gossiping, talking one-on-one, -on -one, that they're not happy with something, but they're actually not bringing it on. And that's like a huge signal that something is off and that we should actually maybe revisit the way we do self-organization, the way we do till. Because this is very normal that our culture will go up and we'll be happy with it. We change something and then we go down. No, this is dynamic. We hire new people. They bring different perspectives, energy, things just change. So the main thing is just to be 
tension-driven, as we spoke previously about it, and make spaces and time regularly to reflect on how are you working? What is working, what is not working? Are you happy with things or not? Are they helping supporting your business or maybe quite the opposite? So even though I would like to give you like concrete, you know, steps and things, the list that it's easy to make when you're a traditional hierarchical organization that you need to look at this, 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 when you scale, you need more managers, you need more layers, you know, you need more procedures. In every till organization is different. So what we need to watch out for is are tensions brought to the table or are they hidden? If they are hidden, it means that people don't feel safe enough. Maybe they don't trust each other anymore. Maybe they are afraid of something. And we need to then work on this psychological, emotional safety so that all those tensions, all those conflicts can come out. So that means it's not only about like observing something, but observing that something it's not happening. Like maybe people sense that there is a tension, but nobody says anything about it. And this is one of the signals that we should watch out for. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing that it's super important to watch out for is our purpose. Because at the very beginning, let's say we go buy the book <laughs> and we create this purpose from within. It's not even creating, it's more like we find the purpose. And at some point we might feel like, are we really living this purpose? Is this still supporting our decision-making? Is this still edgy enough and makes clarity for us when we say no or when we say yes to things? Or maybe we're just not living the purpose. And especially when we grow, new people who come to the organization, they're not that much connected with the purpose as the founders are. And this is very normal. So how do we actually bring the purpose to life? How do we practice the purpose? How do we use the purpose in our decision-making? This is something that might need a little bit of reflection and, and a check. Like, how do we want to go from here? Maybe our purpose somehow changed, actually. So it's, it's also, again, about understanding that it's, things are going to deteriorate with time and you need to constantly re review if what you, what, you're, uh, what you assumed at the beginning is still happening or it just goes into the direction that, that you planned to, uh, to go, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Knowing that the more people you have, the complexity is bigger, the bigger projects you have, the complexity is bigger, and you will need to just change it just because of that. So let's say we have this uh, foundation as of now, uh, that we covered the basics that we discussed in the previous episode. We have places for uh, talking about tensions, we have conflict resolution, we are transparent about what we do. And it would be really interesting to know what typically changes, what would be a good example of a process or an aspect of the company that needs to be reviewed once the organization, let's say, passes to 20 people. Is there some, something that immediately comes to your mind from your experience working with different companies? Basically, everything changes, <laughs> so you need to keep, evol need to keep evolving, like all the time. <laughs> and, and really, I mean it, and I, and I feel discomfort saying that because I have this thought, oh, I'm a consultant and I'm telling people, like, it changes, you know, you need to be just 
aware and cautious and keep attention on things. And, and it, it is exactly this way. If we really exercise this muscle of tension bringing, people will just come and they will tell what they need, what they want to do a better job, like where are the opportunities, where are um, some risks in how to avoid it. They will just do it. And if we don't keep on evolving, then we probably will hit the wall regularly. And then we'll need some bigger change to happen. And you know how it is with bigger change? Like it's easy to make a small change, one step at a time, but to make a bigger change with bigger organization is super difficult. It takes time, energy, money, like everything. So making this practice from the very beginning to review, to retrospect, to feedback all the time, you know, like just bring it on like everywhere you can just to make it a normal thing like breathing will help you later on. But then when I think about like typical like processes that are part of every organization, mm, like literally all of them will change. So the way we budget things, when we are 10, we just don't need like any huge budgeting process. You know, we just sit in 10 and we just discuss it. When we are 50, it's really hard to discuss budget with 50 people, impossible. And we know something Same about it. Same with recruitment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're still trying. <laughs> and, when about remuneration, and this is also your experience, you know, how you remunerate and give yourself money and distribute, you know, the amount you have. Uh, recruitment, onboarding, all the organizational, organizational-wide decisions will change because you cannot involve everybody. So what will change throughout the time, and many times people have difficulty with accepting this, is that there will be roles or group of roles that will be um, energized by people with competence to do the roles and make decisions in those roles that will make decisions. Not everybody will make decisions. Um, we will not ask everybody for opinion. We will just ask people who have competence and experience in this because we think that it's enough because we have the power to make decisions. So in all of those areas, budgeting, recruitment, onboarding, etc., the process will change and people might have difficulty to accept that. And they might think, this is not TEAL, this is hierarchy again. But in TEAL, there is hierarchy, but hierarchy of purpose, hierarchy of roles. And we need to respect and trust each other that if I say, hey, Kasia and Maciej, I, I trust you that you have competence in you know, doing this and that, I don't need to be involved. I don't need to be included. I trust you. If I will stop trusting you, I will come and give you feedback that I don't understand things and I'm not sure why it's happening this way. So um, it's, it's a bit more important to actually um, learn how to listen to the organization as opposed to just knowing that, okay, when there, when there's 20 people, we do this, when there's 30, we do that, and then something else breaks and this is the sequence. It's much more important just to listen and react to, to the situation. So this is like one. I would even take it a step further. I think it's not only about listening, but also communicating what you're doing. 
in a way that everyone understands. So I, I, I would say that's very often the, the problem that we are making a decision and we are like moving in on because we need to make it fast. We know we're going in the right direction, but without a right communication to people about what's happening, why it's happening, where would it take us, people will stop trust you because they don't understand what's happening. So mm -hmm. listening is one thing, but communication uh, is like yeah. together with that. Yeah, I understand. And it's just, just it reminds me of the of the situation that we have as of now. I really like what you said about like later on, certain people make decisions that have certain roles and not everyone. It's not consensus. It's not like democracy. And we've were, we are just, we've been through this process. Um, we're still in it. Um, where at the beginning we thought, okay, when there's 20 people, we can basically discuss everything with everyone and everyone more or less disagrees. Maybe two people are not so satisfied, but they say, okay, let's try. But with 50 people, it's not really possible. And for me personally, what was like a big, shift of like perceiving it uh, the situation is to simply say those five people are responsible they make the decision we trust it's going to be good because they have the competence to to make it work and it was at least for me it was pretty counterintuitive to do yeah i think it's worth like saying it once again like when it comes to till organizations there's no way to satisfy everyone and if there's mm. no consensus there will always be someone unhappy with what's happening and you have to accept that as well, right? Yeah. If we want to be agile, we need to accept that sometimes things will not be perfect, but maybe they are just good enough for now, just to try. And trust that those people are knowing what they do, what are they doing, if they are not, and we say like, well, I don't understand this decision, let's talk. And I like what you said about communicating, because this is communicating that I intend to do something, that this is why I'm doing it. And I'm maybe sharing this information because I believe that will impact you as well. So I want you to be aware of that. And this is, you know, like totally respectful for people. Like if I make decision not to show up for a meeting, you know, for this recording, you know, I would just inform you, you know, this will impact you. So. Is exactly the same in organization about every decision that is impacting others. Mm -hmm. There's also one case. And there's just one. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add about this uh, what will change in organization, uh, if that's still the space mm -hmm. for that. Yeah, please. Um, I believe that knowledge sharing and learning changes. You know, when we are a small team and just sitting next to each other, um, it's easy to learn. It's easy to learn from each other, from the mistakes. We are all in this together, one project. When we have tens of projects and tens of people, many times learnings just are gone. They are in one team and they're not transferred to other teams. And having this space and rituals, how we actually learn from each other, how we share our experiences, successes, mistakes, new things we discovered and we want to share the learnings. This is super important because this way we can evolve and we have so much knowledge and experience in organizations that we're not using and we're just wasting that if we would value that, you know, in money, that would be like a huge waste, really huge waste. And finding spaces of how we do that and build a common ground on how we, for example, um, deal with clients 
uh, what's our approach? You know, like when we're a company, like we more or less want to clients to know us from specific part, you know, way of doing things. And we need to get on the common ground with that as well. It's really cool that you mentioned the knowledge transfer because it's related to my uh, next question. There's a specific um, case that I'm personally kind of reversed experienced with. And that's uh, what's happening when a new person gets on board the company and is like, you know, facing this completely new for her culture of openness, transparency, self-managing. How to actually onboard such a person in a way that she feels... Um, that she can actually work in such an environment. I, w I was <laughs> such a person like a couple of years ago when I joined Ragnarsson and I'm not doing, saying that you've done a bad job onboarding me to the culture, but I believe there are some kind of maybe not good practices, but there's a way how to really help and support such a person. So the first thought I have is like, if we want to invite somebody to our house and we want the person to feel like home, welcomed, you know, like how do we do that? And I think that this is a good way to think about how we onboard people. We are inviting someone to join our tribe. And it's not easy to join a tribe. There are loads of people, you know, nothing about the organization, the way it works and, you know, nothing. And how do I make this person comfortable? And how do I provide the person with enough space to talk, to trust, to build a trust and sense of belonging so that then when the person jumps on the content, it will be just easy because we know each other and we all really have a connection. So when I think about this path, one thing is about all those little small things of welcoming on the first day. You know, like when a new guest comes to your house, you know, we just talk, you show your house, you know, walk around, you know, just if you need a cup, it's here. If you need this, it's here, you know, and just feel like home. Um, this is my cat. This is my son. You know, this is my husband. This is, you know, whatever. Um, and this is how we do things here. Yeah. So these doors are broken. So please <laughs> don't open them because they will fall apart and we're waiting for them to be fixed. Like whatever. And the same we do in the organization. We assume that the person knows nothing about us, about Teal, about our business, and that it's okay to ask questions. So we want to invite the person to ask questions, assuming that she, he doesn't have to know anything. And even though recruitment process was long and we met and you know, we're discussing and maybe doing a project together, just assume the person knows nothing. And treat him, her as a partner, you know, on eye level, a smart individual that you just recruited because you need those skills. And at the same time, allow the space to ask any question and invite those questions. Yes. Yeah? So just to be proactive about, you know, bringing some of the topics um, to the table. And would you say um, that, I'll, because based on what you, how do you describe it, it's, I, I sense that what's paramount here is building trust. And then there is everything else. Here is my cat. Here is my husband. This is secondary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think that um, onboarding people on the human level, on a relational level, 
is more, more important than on the content level. So if you have the emotional space covered and you make sure that people know each other so that they spend some time in the team together to get to know individuals, no, by, not by chance because, oh, you're going for coffee, I'll go with you, maybe we can chat. No, but just make intentional space and time for this. So, you know, like a new person is coming as a new member of the family is coming um, and just get to know each other. And when you have this connection built and kind of the trust and knowing each other built, then when you jump to the content, it's much easier to ask questions, you know, just to ask those difficult questions sometimes because, well, I know that they hired me because I know so much about this, but I have a question actually here, you know, and that might be a stupid question, but if I'm not safe with people, I will probably not ask the question because I will be ashamed, I will be afraid, but if I'm comfortable with them, I'll ask any question and I'll be fine with this. And my onboarding will speed up, you know, I will quicker become efficient in what I'm doing. I think a good, good advice is here to lead by example. So if you want someone to become transparent, we have to be transparent towards this person. If you want to her to ask um, questions, we have to ask those questions to her or around her to show how it's being done and what does it really mean in practice, all those principles that we are like, you know, highly speak about, but how does it work in practice? Show it to her here and now during the onboarding or the, the, the initial time that she's in the company. The way you describe it, I just have a picture <laughs> in my mind of, of some recent onboardings and I see red flags all over the place as of now. I'm taking those, like <laughs> we have to work with that. Which is probably not the best yeah. sign of, of the quality <laughs> of it, but um, I really like this, um, this idea of thinking about them as more as, as people as opposed to okay, here is the company and here is what's, what's here, here and somewhere else, like just, just kind of walking them around. It's, it's less important than approaching them as, as human beings. And I think it's, it's really powerful. It's a powerful thought. Mm. And I have still two things on my mind. One is related to um, the way we work, the teal part. And this is important to figure out what are the things that we need to train the person with. So conflict resolution. Yeah, you know, like people will say, yeah, I know how to resolve conflict. I went for all those workshops. Yeah, okay. But we do it here this way. And let's go through this, maybe training, maybe workshops, maybe be an observer on the conflict resolution, resolution session of other team, just so that you know exactly how we do those things here. Uh, go through the decision-making process and, you know, be clear on how you make decisions and provide the person with an example or with opportunity to be an observer of such a situation. Just an observer, maybe. Maybe you're already a participant, but assume that the person doesn't know anything about how you work and just bring all the knowledge that you have on transparently, as Yukasha said. And the other part is about a sparring partner. And I believe that having a sparring partner or a buddy, you know, there are many names for those people, from the very beginning, it's on the personal level and on the content level can be also beneficial. Because I know that if I'm not clear about anything related to all this people context, I go there. 
But if I'm not clear on the content level, you know, of what I do, I go there and I have somebody who is accountable for providing me with support. And it doesn't have to be just for, you know, three, six months. We can actually have this ritual also in organization to have a buddy, a sparring partner all the time in different areas. We're evolving, you know, we want to learn new things. And maybe there is somebody who has the knowledge, a better capacity of something and can be our mentor, sparring partner, buddy. And this one we covered, so <laughs> one red flag less. <laughs> what's what's uh, specifically interesting to to me is also the um, like understanding how what's the responsibility of a founder to make sure that the culture and the company structure doesn't deteriorate over time. What would be your suggestions here? Your life is your marketing. Be an example. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is super difficult. I just catch myself that I use super, super words all the time here. Uh, But it is very important to be aware that when the organization is changing and you are changing, there will be elements that you will not like the way the kid is growing. (laughs) You know, you like blue, the kid likes gray. (laughs) You don't like it. (laughs) Um, But you need to deal with that. You need to deal with this need to control things and allow the organization to grow beyond you. The more people you have, the more time you're in, if you will not allow the organization to overgrow you, you'll be lost and you'll be struggling and you'll be all the time in resistance and people will be in resistance because you'll be trying to push something on them. So you need to let go of your idea of how the organization will evolve. And this means letting go of responsibility, of knowing everything, of directing everything, which can kick in when the organization is bigger and it's going in a different direction that you wanted. And I think that this is very difficult for many founders, as I observe when the company is growing. Is it Maciej? I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, (laughs) I've seen it. I've seen it. Um, I experienced it to some extent. Um, But I think it also depends on the person. Like some founders, they have more need for control, some a bit less. Um, But like on average, I would say uh, this is is really important. And the second thing is about Go on. Uh, Second thing is about um, processing own triggers. And it means we need to use a therapist, any kind of process to help ourselves to evolve as a human being on the emotional and mental level. And the more we are evolving, the more organization will evolve. The more aware we are, conscious we are about ourselves, the more organization will be. And when we think about systemic work in organizations and the systemic change, we look from the perspective that whatever is a pattern in the smaller um, part of the organization, probably the same pattern will show up in a broader scale. 
So many times what I observe is that the founders say like, oh, they don't want to take responsibility. They are like that. They are like that. And what we need to do then is just to look on the organization as a mirror of the founder. What does it tell about me? If they don't want to take responsibility, is there something that I don't want to take responsibility for? Or am I actually letting go of the responsibility so they can take it? And looking on the organizational patterns as a mirror of the founder's patterns is a very interesting exercise. And this is my favorite. I always do it when I, I meet organizations. <laughs> uh, because the founders bring the energy, you know, like everything to the organizations. And then it's obvious that their patterns will show up in the organization. And it's completely normal. It's the same in families, in the same with friends, it's everywhere the same. Uh, and just to be aware of that and just see like, ah, this shows up, what it tells about me. And if I shift something within me, then you can see how the shift is happening in the organization. I was testing that when I was still in the corporate world. And this is like making a really huge change. Like when I change something, how my environment is changing as well as in the response. I must say, this is really painful. I hate when it happens to me. Like when I secretly complain about things that are, that are happening within the company. And then I say to myself, yeah, this is the fault of this and that person. And then someone speaks with me and just points that, you know, the problem is maybe a bit, a bit higher. <laughs> then I look mm -hmm. in the mirror and I'm like, no, no, <laughs> it's again me. <laughs> and this, and this is something I need to change. And uh, it just reminds me of the, of the constant struggle. But you're and, in a good mm -hmm. position because you have people that are telling you that. So come on, look at yeah, on, on one hand, I really value that, that people come to me and say all sorts of things. And, uh, but at the same time, it doesn't make it any, any less easy. No one said it's going to be. Yeah. And still, this is the thing that we need to be careful about. So one thing is about my work with myself as a founder, as anybody in the company. And the second thing is, so how do we structure what kind of space practice we introduce so that we can change the pattern? Uh, because it will not change by itself, because when we are a community already, a tribe, <laughs> there's more than just us. <laughs> so we need to change the way we do things, the way we think about things, so that the practice can change in the long run for the rest. And it means that we need to dig in what is underneath the symptoms that we are observing. So not just being on the surface level and oh, he's just talking in this way and, you know, he's rude. You know, just go beyond, below that. And there are some needs that are not satisfied always, no matter what we do or what we say or we don't do and we don't say. And it's the same for organization. It has its own needs, desires and values. And when they are not met, then some patterns show up and thanks to those patterns, we can actually find the root. And when we resolve the root, the pattern will resolve naturally and easier. I asked this question like from the perspective of, 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 of a founder, how to, how to make sure that the company, uh, the, the culture stays. 
uh, on a healthy level. But would you say this is the same advice to everyone else at the company or the organization itself should treat it diff differently? Well, when we are evolving as an organization, um, we will always evolve as human beings. So if you go till, it will touch everybody and everybody will start to change. And bringing this practice of transparency, honesty, authenticity, feedback, conflict resolution will start working in the organization. So people will see that, oh, my behavior impacts others. My behavior has some consequences on others. And when I do this, you know, they have to respond this way. If I attack somebody because I, I'm asking a question in this way with this energy, you know, they will start defending and will be in the fight. So people start getting more self-aware and because they get more self-aware, the organization can get self-aware and they, when the organization gets self-aware, we can actually change something. I have so many questions. But... I have so many things <laughs> floating in my mind. And yeah. I just, it, uh, what you said just sparked so many um, thoughts and, and ideas how to, how to change. Want to write them down? <laughs> yeah, I, that definitely we need to have a follow-up conversation about it. But um, yeah, I think yeah. this is, uh, that was uh, all that we wanted to cover today. Um, thank you so much, Eva, for explaining to us how to maintain a healthy company culture in the long run. If you didn't hear the... Uh, first episode where we talked a bit more about the foundation and the basics that you should be covering in, in the early stages of running an organization, I definitely suggest looking in our previous episode. And that's all for today. Thank you so much, Eva, for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and stay tuned for the next episodes. <laughs>